0: We are in the fifth part of our series on the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the life of a Christian. And today I would like to uh, talk with you about our inheritance, but the pledge of our inheritance. I grew up in a high-performance, achievement family, and my father was truly a godly man, loved the Lord, but he was also a bank executive, a a church leader, and a board member of uh, several large Christian organizations. I always wanted to be like him, but I did not feel like I could ever, well, be as good as him and others. From the third grade through high school... I wanted to be like a boy in my class. His name was Roger. Now, are there any Rogers here this morning? We have one, and he happens to be a guest. (laughs) So I've already pre-warned him, this is not speaking about you. But I did have, and still do have, a a friend by the name of Roger. And uh, when he was picking teams... For the uh, you know the activities of the school, I was never selected first or second. Uh, I always wanted to do that. Uh, when we went to high school, we were on the same uh, basketball team, and he had long black hair. He was tall, athletic, drove this super cool car. And he had some really awesome girlfriends. That's Roger. Um, As we finished up our high school season, our senior year, he was athlete of the year. And I was second team honorable mention. As a young boy, I went to a church that taught That my salvation was only as good as the latest choice that I made. I hope that's not how you were taught. Um, If Christ returned, I was fearful of the thought. Because if I was even entertaining a bad thought, or was in a theater watching, let's say, a Disney uh, PG movie, I knew that I could, well, I would never be even an honorable mention Christian. Um, I convinced myself that I could never be like some super saints that were around the church because they always spoke King James. And uh, when I went to seminary, I did well, but my best friend was at the top of the class. His name wasn't Roger. Uh, and uh, he went on to get a PhD and to become a professor in the Evangelical Seminary. And when I graduated, I was an associate pastor, which was an honor. So for many years, I felt like, well, God loved me, but I wasn't his Roger. I felt like honorable mention was the best I could ever be. And I hope there aren't any here this morning who, well, how would I say, have had those kinds of feelings. That you're just honorable mention. Second class Christian. um, A wannabe. Someone who, uh, how would I say, is an afterthought in God's mind. Well, I want to destroy that notion this morning. So, let me say at the end of this message, I am hoping that you will feel like a Roger. And not a second string Christian. When you see how significant you are in Christ. Now, all the spiritual blessings we hold today in Christ are but a down payment and pledge of an even greater eternal inheritance that awaits us. Isn't that amazing? The thought of eternity, which I describe as forever now, that staggers our minds and imagination. It is a mystery to our finite way of thinking. Those, however, who have an accurate and appropriate understanding of what it means to be in Christ should be the most joyful, grateful, and secure people in all the world. The Apostle Paul wrote to first century Christians who were living in an ever-changing, insecure world to remind them Of their new identity in Christ. He wrote to the Ephesians this magnificent letter. To affirm that they were God's chosen people. Not an afterthought. With a unique and special place in the heart and the purposes of God. And I hope that is what you believe about yourself as well. They, like ourselves, were tempted to question their adequacy in a high achievement society. Our old sin nature falsely affirms our self esteem on a performance base. That is, the more you achieve, the more acceptable. And the more valuable you are. And our insecurity promotes self-achievement. Self-righteousness. And self-promotion to sort of prop up our sagging self-esteem. And when we seek esteem and security apart from our inheritance in Christ. We are left running on an exhausting treadmill... That gets us nowhere. The values of our culture advertise their products with a hook in it. That the accumulation of more things and our rise to prominence will make us feel better about ourselves. But it doesn't. You see, our sinful nature has an insatiable desire for dominance and prominence rather than submission and humility. Sadly, our sinful nature can even diminish our sense, our understanding of our worth and purpose in God's eyes. An appropriate view of ourselves, an inappropriate view of ourselves, can also create self-defeating anxiety and unnecessary shame. So, where do we go from there? We go to Christ. Our identity and security must always be found in him. Not our performance. He is our inheritance. And all that he is, and all that he has promised us, is ours. In Christ Jesus. He's given to us by grace. By the grace of God the Father. He desires for each of us to be secure. To be secure in his love, his grace, and his power. Paul wrote to encourage the church of Ephesus to rejoice. He begins his letter with that sense of rejoicing. Rejoice. With all the spiritual blessings you already have. It's not just what's ahead. It's who we are now. So with these things in mind, let us explore our inheritance in Christ. Ephesians 1 verses 11 through 12. We will also be looking at verses 13 and 14 a little later. It says, In him... We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Now, before we explore these scriptures together, Uh, let me say that there will likely be some who may bristle when it comes to the word predestination or we talk about security or perseverance of the saints. Um, All that I ask is if the scriptures are intended to be the ultimate authority In the Christian's life. For faith and practice. Then faithfully consider. What is taught. From his word. Now these two doctrines. The doctrine of. Predestination. And perseverance. They're intended by God. To help us understand. That we each have. An eternal purpose. Each of us. We're saved with a purpose in God's mind. So you are important to him. You are valuable. You mean something to him. But also that your salvation has been secured. You don't have to ride the performance bicycle. You can be secure. You can, once again... Bible doctrine is extremely relevant and practical. Now, in Christ, Paul has said that we have obtained an imperishable inheritance. And he establishes the reason or how we inherited this great gift from God... He said, God predestined us according to his purpose. Now, our inheritance in Christ is secure because it flows from God's sovereign pleasure. It is not just a future inheritance. But when he says, we have already obtained it, meaning that it's already begun, this inheritance. It was God's holy prerogative. To give us this inheritance. That is why it says we were predestined according to God's own purpose. Our English word for destination came from an old Latin word, destinatio, which meant made firm and established. And the original sense of the word was the action of someone intending a particular purpose and or being destined for a particular place. So when you add the word pre in front of destination, the word means our destiny was predetermined and appointed ahead of time. Do you're beginning to feel like Roger? You have a purpose. You have a destiny. God predetermined and ordained the destiny of each and every born-again Christian according to his purpose and pleasure. And this is how someone paraphrased this scripture. It may help. It says, we have become gifts to God. That he delights in. For as part of God's sovereign plan, we were chosen from the beginning to be his. And all things happen just as he decided long ago. Paul began this letter in this first chapter. Beginning to introduce this whole idea. And listen to what it said in verses 4 through 6. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Let me add. Before you could do anything good, before he did anything evil. That we should be holy and blameless before him. The great prize. Our great inheritance. In love he predestined us for adoption. To himself as sons. And I'm going to add daughters for us as well. Through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will... To the praise of his glorious grace, which, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, which is his beloved son. We were not chosen because God foresaw any goodness or merit in us. So if you're beginning to ask this question, then why would God choose me? And you're asking the right question. You're asking the right question. And the answer is you were chosen because he loved you. Pretty simple. God loved you before you were even created. And he desired that you would be blameless and holy in his sight. By grace we were saved Through faith in Christ alone. And what does it mean that God predestined us to be His adopted children? The Bible gives us two ways to understand our sonship. The first is what Jesus taught you must be born again, born again by the Holy Spirit. And this speaks to God's initiative. To bring us into his kingdom by creating in us a new identity and a new spiritual nature. And the second way is how Paul is describing it. To understand our sonship is to see that God took the initiative to adopt us by grace into his family. And therefore inherit the blessings of his blessed son. So both ways being born again and being adopted, are revealing to us God's love and his divine purpose for each and every one of us. Notice I didn't say just for Roger. For each and every one of us. This truth is intended not only to generate Gratitude in the heart of every forgiven sinner but to assure us of our secure place in God's heart. The very thing we need to have in a very insecure world. Paul wrote to the Romans with a similar idea explaining the process or the sequence of God's love. It says in Romans 8, 29 through or to 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. There's a link on these five things. Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now he goes to, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, what? He also glorified. There's a process, there's a purpose to God's work in our life. Notice our salvation where it begins. It begins with God. God's foreknowledge. And out of his foreknowledge, he predestined and called us. We were predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ so that we might be holy and blameless in God's sight. And those God foreknew, he said he predestined, And called. And that calling is irresistible. To each and every one of those who are foreknown and predestined by God. And those he called, he said, he justified. You see this, notice the sequence. There is a security in each one of those. Intentionality by our God. Those he called, he justified, or we would say declared righteous. God loves each of us equally just as he loves his son because we are in Christ and have been declared righteous because of Christ and here's the goal of all of this of God's predestination his foreknowledge all of that it leads to one thing and you know what it is? those whom he justified what? He glorified. That's his ultimate goal. To have us justified so that we can be glorified and be with him forever. Amazing. God doesn't have any second class citizens in heaven or on the earth. You're not an honorable mention, you're not an afterthought. I have a Christian brother who we call the wretch. He calls himself that, so I can use that word. Um, And he says to me, said, Pastor Don, if I can just get into heaven, I'll be glad to mow and blow your lawn just so I can be there. He always thinks that's funny, and I don't. And here's why. There are no second-class Christians in heaven. You know, when you stand in line before Christ, you're going to be so surprised, and I will too. At the front, there's going to be an old lady from another part of the world. And way back in the line is a Billy Graham. And I'll be way back there too. (laughs) Do you get what I'm trying to say? Is that these people who have shown faith in their environment, in their place, God honors as he would any of us. Aren't you grateful for that? Yeah. I mean, it's not based on our performance. Now or whatever you have done or not done before. Well, how did we gain this inheritance? Well, he tells us, God worked all things according to, again, His will. In other words, we were adopted by God according to His will, not ours. That's exactly what Jesus taught. Where he says, it's not by the will of God the flesh, nor the will of man, but what? But of God. Romans 8.28, which just preceded the passage we read before, affirms God's sovereign grace over everything. And we know that for those who love God, all things, all things, work together for good for those who are called According to whose purpose? His purpose. Notice how these truths keep linking together. God has a purpose. He has a purpose for us. He has a purpose to glorify us so that we can enjoy His presence forever. Amen? You see, when you start to say amen to that stuff, you're starting to sound like a Roger you realize it's not based on performance. Um, But our God not just saves us by grace, but he continually works throughout our life to work all things according to what? His purpose for us. His purpose for everything he's doing. So nothing anywhere at any time exists outside of God's sovereign power. Nothing. Anywhere. He can even use the evil choices of the devil, demons, and sinful men to serve his holy purposes. The great example is the cross. By the same exceeding greatness of God's power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that the Holy Spirit is working in and through us. This is the inheritance. This is the inheritance of every child of God that you received at the moment you were adopted and were born again. You don't earn it. You received it. Charles Spurgeon, who often has wonderful things to say, to hang on to, he said, when you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. He understood. And we can rest assured at night, when you lay your head on the pillow, that God is in sovereign control over everything in heaven and on earth and he's working everything together for his glory and our good. He never sleeps. And God will forever be praised and glorified by those who place their hope in Christ. That's what glorification will result in. We, like the apostles, were saved to the praise of his glory. Every child of God is and will always remain a reason to glorify Christ. When you stand before Christ and the host of heaven sees you, they're going to start clapping and applauding and praising. Not you. (laughs) Christ. And the saints are going to go, how did he get up here? I knew him. He was kind of one of those, well, he wasn't a Roger Christian. But here he is. You saved this wretched guy. He's here by your grace. Let's all applaud. Let's all praise Christ for his glory. As you can tell, I'm looking forward to that day. When we bow for Christ, we will exalt and praise Him for all that He has done for us. And the ultimate purpose for all God has ever done and will do is the exaltation of His own name. He is unwavering in His commitment to this. We are to put away our performance treadmill turn our backs on the world for affirmation and open our Bibles to be reminded of our unique place in God's heart. I can say this with the authority of God's word. He truly wants each of his children to know how they are loved and secure. Paul began teaching that our inheritance in Christ came through God's work we call predestination and now he turns to teach us a bit more about how would I say God's work of preserving this inheritance in Christ we have God's pledge of an eternal inheritance notice I have a little pledge badge there I wish I had enough to pass out to everybody. So you could walk out of here and go. God made a pledge to me. He sealed me. For some reason I'm approved. I'm approved only because of Christ. That's who I am. It says. In him. Verses 13, 14. In him you also when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Let me try my best to briefly explain what I have just said here. Sometimes a diagram can help. Let's talk about our salvation and the work that God did. At the top you'll see the Father ordained our salvation. We read about that in Romans 8:29 and 30. He foreknew us, he predestined us, he called, he justified, he glorified. And then God sent his son, his only begotten son, who is down here in the left in your right-hand corner. He sent his son, and his son accomplished, fully, completely accomplished our salvation on the cross. You were fully and completely justified, declared righteous in the sight of God because of the work of Christ, the finished work of Christ. But that is just the beginning. Then you notice the arrow goes to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who applies what the Father ordained and Christ accomplished on the cross. When you were born again, it's like the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of you and said, you're mine. You may try to run away from me. You may try to uh, rebel against me, but I'm sticking with you. I'll not give up on you because I have been pledged by the Father and the Son to take hold of you and guarantee you, to seal you, pledge as a pledge. Notice the arrow goes back up where you're glorified. Is God, is he awesome or what? He's determined that you will be glorified. He's determined that you will be with him. Determined that you will be Saved. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings about new birth. He continues to sanctify us or purify us. He's God's seal or pledge of our salvation. And the one who will complete his work when he hand delivers us over to Christ. That's how I understand it. When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, he hangs on and says, I'm not giving up until I hand you over to Christ. The Holy Spirit is God's promised pledge of our inheritance. What is an inheritance? Our inheritance is an eternal treasure. And what is that treasure? It is Christ and all the riches of his eternal glory. A pledge is a deposit that guarantees ownership until it is received. A pledge, however, is only as good as the one who makes it. Also, a pledge is only as good as a security that backs it up. God the Father is the one who made this pledge, and that's as good as it ever will get. And the Son is the one who paid the price of this pledge, and that's the highest price ever to be paid. And the Holy Spirit is the one who guarantees and assures our inheritance in Christ. Nothing is left up to chance or, you, or us. What God determined, he secured for his pleasure and our joy. What God promised, he will fulfill. God's chosen people are a special pleasure to God. You are a pleasure to God. He's pleased with you. Some people grow up thinking God eats dill pickles. Like he's always kind of <laughs> a, little, a little bitter, a little sour, a little cranky. That's not our guide. First Peter also gave us this assurance. Just again, I, we could give many scriptures. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the de- from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ in them, they are not one of His. They're therefore not heirs of God. It's the Spirit that secures us in Christ. He's the seal, the seal of approval. You now, I'm going to use a personal illustration. I hope you don't mind. This is. One of my best friends I've ever had. So, people have been to my home, they know exactly what I'm talking about. This is Chloe. And Chloe has been with me for almost 11 years. Every day, every morning, every night. Runs and jumps to get in the car. Um, jogged with me, walked with me. When I was driving the car, I would be like this, and she would get up between me, and she would put her her leg on my shoulder. And then she would look. (laughs) And I would go left and she Right? Look ahead. She passed away about three weeks ago. I, I, I'll admit, I was so broken that I laid on the floor and wept. An old guy like me. Now, Cat lovers, please be patient with me, okay? (laughs) And uh, ever since she passed away, my family have been urging me, strongly urging me, to get a dog for Father's Day. I just said, I'm not ready. I need to work through the grief first, okay? Okay? But they kept sending me photos, (laughs) websites for golden retrievers from around the country. And I found one that they sent of a state breeder who had a litter that looked exactly like Chloe. Notice the little black spot on her tongue? I saw the picture and the father had a black spot on his so I called her. <laughs> she sent me many photos of the puppies and the father and the mother. And after a long phone call from Birmingham, Alabama, Dixie is her name, I decided. To adopt a puppy. (laughs) I was a sucker. I agree. (laughs) But for me to secure. One of these. Awesome looking little boys. I have to send. What? A deposit. That guarantees. That I will inherit. Or I will be able to have that. Dog as my own. That's the agreement. I pre-ordered a puppy. And can adopt. The one I want. I get to select. By the way. But to guarantee that purchase. I had to send a deposit. So when the puppy is eight weeks old. By the way. The dogs will be ready. Right around Father's Day. I will fly to Birmingham, Alabama. To get my prize pup. And I will bring this puppy back on the plane. I'll bring it to the house where I've prepared a place for him. Are you getting the picture? (laughs) Now I know any human illustration is inadequate. But maybe you could see where this is all going. Out of love, God has chosen to adopt each one of us. And we were chosen according to his pleasure. He's pleased with you. Um, And we were fully purchased by Christ. And the Holy Spirit was sent by the Father to claim us as his own. He is God's down payment, our deposit, that he will deliver us someday into Christ's hands so we can live in the home Christ prepared for us. Now, I don't mind saying that I'm excited for that day. I didn't think I could get there yet. But I'm excited for that day. But I could tell you this, with all assurance, Christ is far more looking forward to your arrival than I will be for a puppy. But I am going to be anxious. (laughs) You know, sometimes we think God is not like us. But in many ways, we are made in his image. So we're not always unlike him to have love. To desire to love someone and be loved. And the Holy Spirit is God's pledge that we will acquire our inheritance to his praise and glory. The Holy Spirit's work is not through until the redemption of the purchased possession is completed. What God ordained, the Spirit will complete. Listen to Paul in Philippians 1. I am confident of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you. That's the Holy Spirit. Will complete it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. The day that I die. The Spirit says. It's complete. You're going home. But I'm going home. To where I'm treasured. Loved. The place has already been prepared for me and for you. All the spiritual blessings we have in Christ are just but a down payment or a pledge of an even greater eternal inheritance that awaits each of us. The thought of eternity staggers our minds and imagination. It is a mystery to our finite way of thinking. But those who understand what it means to be in Christ... Can live confidently, securely, assured that what God ordained will be fulfilled. It will be completed. The work he began in you will come to completion. We're not saved by our works, but by grace through faith in Christ alone. The Spirit is the guarantee from God of our eternal inheritance. The Holy Spirit is God's stamp of approval. You are approved. So let me ask, are you just beginning to feel a little bit like Roger? I hope so. Don't feel like Don used to be. You matter. You're important. You're special to God. You're not lost in the mass of humanity. You're not just a speck on the planet Earth. But you are an adopted son and daughter of Christ. Claim that identity, treasure it, believe it, live it. Some of you have failed, failed in your life. Committed sins that you're ashamed of. Let me tell you this. If you have confessed your sins and repented. No condemnation. Okay. You've been declared righteous. Therefore there's no condemnation to any of us. Have been called according to God's purpose. So now as we come to the table we're reminded by the bread and the cup that we have been fully, completely purchased. We have been forgiven by the shed blood of Christ. So let us come humbly as well as confidently as adopted child of God. Knowing we do not come in our own merit, but we come in the merit and the work of Christ. Listen to the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians as we prepare to take of the Lord's Supper. It's found in 1 Corinthians 11. The Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim, you preach the Lord's death until he comes. You're preachers this morning when you take the Lord's supper. Then he adds a caution. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself, first examine himself, then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For everyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is Paul's way of saying that when you come to the Lord's table, it's a sacred Remembrance of Christ. Examine yourself. If there has been sin, confess it, repent of it, and accept God's grace. Plunge in to the pool of God's grace at the foot of the cross. All of you are welcome and invited if you believe that Jesus Christ is God That he died, he was buried, and he rose from the dead on the third day and is now ascended to his throne in heaven. But before you come, examine yourself to see if you are in Christ. Confess your sins and then accept God's amazing grace. And then you are invited to come to the table. Here's how we will do it. We'll have the table where you will be served today here. You are to come down the middle aisle and then depart either to the left or the right to go back to your uh, aisle. As you come, take the bread and the cup and take it back with you to your seat, and then later we'll all take the bread and cup together. Brothers and sisters, before we take of it, um, let's just have a moment of quietness. You need just a moment to reflect. Here's what I want you to think about, okay? If there's sin, confess it. But please remember Christ. What he did for us, the inheritance we have. Thank him, praise him. This meal is called a Eucharist in some places, which means thanks dinner. This is a thanks dinner, giving thanks to Christ. Let's have a moment of quietness as the men come forward and prepare for us taking of the bread and the cup. Let's pray. Father, in this quiet moment, we remember this great work that you accomplished for us. When you sent your son to die on the cross, he fully, completely accomplished what what you called him to do. He justified us declared us righteous. He took all of my sin and then gave us all of his righteousness. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who is the pledge, the guarantee in our life that we are fully approved and accepted because of Christ. Lord, as we take of the bread and cup, may our hearts be filled with gratitude and joy as we remember what this is meant to do is to remember your beloved Son, And the work he came to accomplish. We pray in Jesus name. Amen.